1: Podcast.
0: You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on
2: Sirius XM, Byte Nation, channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, one of my favorite guys in the business, ECW legend and the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer, is my co-host. You'll hear how my WWE power ranking shook out for this week. And after Vince McMahon implemented the new wildcard rule in the WWE, Tommy and I tackle some of the continuity issues we have with WWE television. Plus, NWA legend Nicola Babydoll Roberts joins us to talk about the late Gino Hernandez and the Dark Side of the Rings. This needed to be a rebound week for the company. Monday Night Raw was better than last week, but still to me... Um, and a very average, average show, which I was expecting maybe a little bit more. Though it did give us, I thought, a great main event on Monday. The rating was up a little bit. And I think SmackDown was much better this week than it was last week. So, would you say, Tommy, that this was a a, a good rebound week for the WWE so far?
0: Well, I'm interested in your power rankings. But to answer your question, rebound week, I would say no. Because, hey, uh, I was confused watching monday night raw i enjoyed the actual wrestling of smackdown but i watched both shows back to back because i knew i had to co-host here with you and smackdown did have some more uh continuity of mm-hmm. nice flow to it raw was just very very confusing
2: all right i agree with you and i think that's a good assessment when it comes to both raw and smackdown and you mentioned my power rankings. And that's perfect timing, because it is now time for my WWE Power Rankings.
0: Raw and SmackDown have come and gone. Let's see who's up. Yes! Yes! And who's down. No! No! In this week's busted open, WWE, WWE Power Rankings.
2: All right. We'll start off the Power Rankings with a tag team that had a very, very decisive win on monday night raw i didn't like the way it went down and i'll give you my reasons after but it doesn't take anything away from this tag team at number five up and call that the viking experience
0: guys the viking raiders just knocked off the tag team champions
2: and as you heard from michael cole the viking raiders i have at number five And here's some of the problems I have with that match. First of all, has nothing to do with the Viking Raiders. Very decisive win. They're going to be a major, major force in the WWE on the main roster. But here's where the problem lies, and some of the things, and especially for old school fans like us, Tommy, that I have a problem with. First of all, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are your tag team champions. They don't even get an entrance. So you have the Viking Raiders in a non-title match, so they're not even challengers. Have the big extravagant entrance while the champions are just standing there, waiting in the ring. And again, Vikings Raiders go over in like roughly two minutes. So once again, you're getting champions on Monday Night Raw losing. I, I that is one of the problems that I have, Tommy. But you know what? Doesn't take anything away from Viking Raiders at number five. At number four. This is probably the most unpopular wrestler in the entire company, but yet he still winds up on my power rankings. And Baron Corbin looking to take advantage with End of Days. Styles is gone.
0: Rollins is out. And Corbin has pinned the Universal Champion.
2: Again, another loss for a champion. And when you get a pin on your Universal Champion, that means something. And Baron Corbin somehow, some way. Once in a while finds his way on the power rankings. He's, you know, the fans hate him, but maybe that's a good thing. You know, there's a lot of like when you see Baron Corbin it reminds you of stale times, but yet he's still on every show. I think he's great in the ring. Um listen, you may not like the way he's being presented, but he's definitely talented and he's number 4 this week on my power rankings. And here's a guy that was on my power rankings last week. He was on my power rankings the week before. And he's at number three this week. McIntyre. And now a right hand from Roman Reigns. McIntyre with a headbutt again. Way Spell. Even though it was in DQ fashion, he was he dominated the match and he was about to get the pin, and yet he still gets the win, and it's for the big dog, Roman Reigns. And Here's something that we saw from SmackDown last night. We talked about it in hour number one briefly because vomit was obviously the big story, but it's your new SmackDown Tag Team Champion. Super
0: kick to Brian! Two totally of them superstars in this match. Oh, no. No, no, no. The uh, iron claw by Rowan.
2: That's Cover. it. Brian and Rowan are your new tag That's right. At number two, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowe. And a lot about Eric Rowe to like. I love the metal shirts that he wears every single week on SmackDown. And I love the fact that he uses the Iron Claw. And listen, Daniel Bryan did a lot for Kofi Kingston in that championship title picture on SmackDown. And I think he's going to do a lot as tag team champion. That's a bright spot when you look at the WWE right now is Daniel Bryan. That's a guy that no matter what you give him, he's going to hit a home run. He's that talented. And I li- I really like Eric Rowan as well. And at number one, no surprise, because he dominated Raw and he dominated SmackDown.
0: Ryan trying, of course, Kingston to the ground to lock in the LaBelle once more. Kofi got him! Right on the
2: It's hard.
1: Kobe
2: well, Kingston. No doubt who's number one, and it's what he did on Raw. It's what he did on SmackDown, and it's Kofi Kingston. So my power rankings for this week, at number five, the Viking Raiders. At number four, Baron Corbin. At number three, Roman Reigns. At number two, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. And at number one, Without a doubt, your WWE champion, Kofi Kingston. What do you think of my power rankings this week, Tommy?
0: Uh, I don't hate them like I normally do, or like the Nate. They're getting they've gotten a lot better. If you really really think this process out, I agree that Kofi Kingston should reign supreme. Uh, do we have anyone? Uh, do we have our statistician uh, keeping all these rankings? Who's going to be in the rankings all year? I mean, I'm sure this is a a major thing that we could actually do a whole story about who's had the most spots every week on your power rankings at the end of the year. You got to tabulate that up.
2: That's something that we're we're definitely give ahead. your
0: own busted open. Uh, Dave Lagreca Award, like you know, they used to do like in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, like you, you the Stu, the Stu Sacks Award. Now yeah. you have the Dave Lagreca. You were in my power rankings, or actually, you want to do better? Walk up to that person, and tell him like, "Hey, man, Dave Lagreca, bust it <laughs> open. You're the number one guy. On my power
2: rankings. They look at you like you
0: weirdo, Mark.
2: <laughs> well, it's unfair because we just do the WWE. I would do that if we were doing the entire world of pro well, wrestling, but since it's, it's the WWE. W- do it from WrestleMania
0: to WrestleMania, you sit on the uh, the media row mm-hmm. and go up to a guy and say, you know, from one WrestleMania to the next WrestleMania, you were in my power rankings the most. Congratulations. And give him like a real cheesy award.
2: All right. Uh, we might do that because Kofi has found his place in their power rankings many times. Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, obviously, since he's come back. Like I mentioned, Baron Corbin. This is the first time that the Viking <clears throat> Raiders are on the power rankings. And, you know, one thing that's missing when it comes to these power rankings and, You know, usually when I've done my power rankings, especially over the last six or seven months, has been a Becky Lynch or a Charlotte Flair or Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey obviously is out the door for the time being. But no Charlotte, no Becky. No Charlotte or Becky on SmackDown yesterday, which I thought was kind of odd, especially since they got a big matchup coming up next weekend at Money in the Bank. Now, there's still one more Raw, one more SmackDown. I think they've done a good job on Raw with Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch, but she is defending both her titles at Money in the Bank. Kind of surprised that there was no Becky or Charlotte last night.
0: Well, maybe she didn't want to uh, break that very strictly enforced uh, wild card rule. Even though technically she's allowed to be on the show, so
2: yeah, I, I don't think she's be breaking any rules because she's Becky Two Belts. I know. I'm just making a joke about that okay, because it I'm is sorry. a joke.
0: I'll tell you, it's not a joke to me. Tommy. It's not a joke to me either. But what are we gonna do? We're gonna. F- that's why we start off by saying, if you're unhappy, I watch Raw and SmackDown because I love wrestling mm. and I love what. Like I love that main event that they had, but. I DVR it, and a lot of times I have a TiVo and I go bloop, 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 and I go right past it because it just makes no sense to me. So uh, that's why we talked about going out there, searching other things. Don't give up on WWE. And remember, I sat in this studio at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning uh, after we just finished an eight and a half hour Monday Night Raw, and the world was happy. Hopefully, we will get back to that uh, place. But. You know, for now we're gonna, we're suffering a little bit as wrestling fans. Uh, Maybe because, it's a little
2: bit of the yeah. WrestleMania hangover, possibly.
0: Nope, because that should start everything anew. Here's what to me, if you really want to break it down, Roman Reigns after the week he gets drafted, like, oh my god, this they made such a big deal. Vince McMahon himself said, "I'm bringing over somebody who." Never been on uh, SmackDown before, right? He made this big deal. Here comes Roman Reigns. Big pop. Yay. Everybody's excited about it. Literally the next week, he says, I'm coming back to Raw. What does that do to make SmackDown? It makes it literally makes SmackDown look like it's a piece of crap.
2: And I think they've done that over, I over know. the course of
0: time. Where So then just get rid of this whole brand split. Get rid of, just have, hey, this is Raw SmackDown. We're going to have, you either got to fully commit or not commit at all. And the full commit has not worked because of you know, live events. So then just get rid of it and just say, hey, anybody could show up wherever. If you want to try to make sense of it with this wild card thing, cool. Then at least stick to those rules. But when you tell me four and it's six, you already broke your rule.
2: Yeah, I, I, listen, I agree with you, though I'm sure Fox has other ideas. They're not going to want to have repeated superstars and repeated matches that you could have seen Monday on USA. That's going to hurt their bottom line. That's going to hurt their product on Fridays. So I'm sure that uh, Fox is going to want some exclusivity when it comes to SmackDown.
0: And especially when Fridays, if you're in the television industry, is normally the death knell day when they put your television show on the friday slot that's when they're like oh we think we're phasing your show out but no if you're all in you're going to be all in they just need to give us that continuity because then as wrestling fans we'll be happy and we'll just continue or just get rid of it but that's you know their fight to have uh if you're so pissed off don't watch i always say watch i will watch but uh, trust me last week i was actually mad at smackdown I really was. If you, from a psychological point of view, here comes uh, Kofi Kingston, who we all love. Here comes Kevin Owens. Yay! They're yelling at each other across the uh, the arena. Uh, Apollo Crew, not Apollo Cruz. Uh, Xavier Woods mm-hmm. comes. He sucker punches Kevin Owens. So the good guy sucker punches the bad guy. And then what happens? The bad guy counters and lays out the good guy who just sucker punched him so what does that mean for xavier woods you're a piece of nothing and then kofi cradles his partner then we come back and we have what becky lynch versus uh another person we like uh, the hugger girl bailey bailey hugger girl what does she do she loses So there goes her credibility right out the door because she just lost. I Mm -hmm. don't have to like her. Becky, we like it. But then guess what happens? Then here comes another bad person. She lays out both of them. Then we had Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy. They got laid out by all our people who we're supposed to like. And it was back to back to back of letting us down. And there is no like there is no payoff for Matt and Jeff Hardy anymore because they're hurt. Yeah. And uh, Lars Anderson, he's just going to tear <laughs> everyone. I did that one on purpose. Stop <laughs> it. But, again, that psychology reason why, who am I going to get behind? And I know I've used this before, and I will use it again because it was a popular television show. You know what the most popular television show is on television right now? Game of Thrones? Wrong. Big Bang Theory. Oh, Beat man. it in ratings. I've never watched one episode of it, but I know when other shows like uh, Friends... The whole, what was the storyline? Ross and Rachel. And the whole time Ross and Rachel, they were trying to kiss. We fell in love. We're going to have a, they always went away from each other, but then they eventually came back. Um, But on this episode, it was like, no, we hate each other. We're never going to get back together. Uh, we're not even teasing that we're going to kiss or all that stuff. And like little stuff like that, that means the world. When you're a good guy, suck. if I was to, me and you were talking and Alex Metz comes in and Punches me in the back of my face. Everyone will be like, what are you doing? And sucker punching me. And then I turn around and I beat up the guy who just sucker punched me. What does that make me? The really cool, tough guy. But I'm supposed to be the bad guy. So right there, human psychology 101 out the door.
2: It makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Also, too, when it comes to the TV show, because you, like you mentioned, like uh, with friends, with Rachel and, and Roger. Ross. Ross. Um,
0: ranger ross I mean,
2: if in the dub in the world of the wwe if that was the case you know rachel and ross would be together one week and then the next week they wouldn't be together without any explanation and then a month later they'd be together again without any explanation that's or the they problem. would have a
0: child without the actual pregnancy yeah. like they'd be holding a kid and then the next week oh that's our baby and the next week where's the kid yeah what are you talking no,
2: about and and i know it sounds extreme but I think it's a good example of what the WWE has been going through, where there isn't continuity from show to show, like and and it's really hard to see who are the baby faces and who are the heels right now from the examples that you threw out there. I think I, I think it's a wonderful explanation. Tommy, you and of your what's power
0: rankings discussed that champions didn't even get an entrance and then they got their ass kicked. What would that make me want to do to tune into that match? Yep. At uh whatever Money in the Bank. What did that help, that match? Nothing.
2: And you mentioned Money in the Bank. Like, we saw one of the matches at Money in the Bank is going to be Roman Reigns and Elias. We just saw a week ago Roman Reigns beat Eli- Elias and Shane McMahon. So And like, the B team. And, I'm sorry. It was That was the B team.
0: That was that whole, here comes the B team, who we haven't seen forever. Yeah. They're now supposed to be something formidable. And then Roman Reigns beats them. In a in a handicap match yeah. with Elias
2: as the ref and
0: Shay McMahon.
2: Yes, and then so he's he's beating up three, four guys. So why would you wanna see a pay-per-view match between Elias and and, and 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 Roman Reigns? Why would you wanna see that after what you saw just a week prior? It's a great explanation, I don't, Tom. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I'm
0: not watching money. I'm gonna ban myself from money in the bank.
2: I'm banned. I've been
0: banned. I banned myself. (laughs) You're banned?
2: I'm watching it. Like what you're hearing?
0: Catch Busted Open, live, weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM, Fight Nation, Channel 156, or on demand with the
2: SiriusXM app. Dark Side of the Ring, the Gino Hernandez documentary is premiering tonight on Viceland, and I thought the best person to get on to talk Gino Hernandez and, of course, her career is baby doll... Andrea the Giant, Nicola Roberts, who joins us right here on Busted Open. How are you this morning? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. Thank you. So when you hear that, when you hear something that's, you know, going back now, geez, nineteen eighty five. I mean when you when you hear that, what do you, what do you start thinking of?
1: It's it's so bittersweet because so many of the guys that I worked with aren't with us anymore and they're they're you know, they're their lives ended so tragically and so short and it's um it's fun but then it's very sad at the same time.
2: The documentary tonight, Dark Side of the Ring, about the, the, the mysterious death of Gino Hernandez and this this series and I don't know if you've had an opportunity to watch it on Viceland has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, it's been amazing. You know, they had an episode on the Von Erichs, the death of bruiser Brody on the Montreal screw job. And is this something that you, somebody that obviously was close to Gino Hernandez at one time, got your start, you know, being with Gino Hernandez. Is that something that you're
1: going to tune into tonight? Oh, absolutely. Unfortunately, where I'm at, we don't have Iceland. So I have to actually watch it on YouTube, but it'll definitely be something I watch once they release the full episode. Um, It was one of those things when you hear when he died, it, it just seemed so sketchy and just so wrong. And there were so many questions to it. And the more you hear about it, the more you go, something bad really happened to him and some bad people put an end to his life.
2: You know, and that's what the the, the show is going to be really founded in is that, you know, how he passed. And it's unfortunate. It's the same thing with the the, the death of Bruiser Brody because of the timing. If something like that happened now in 2019, I would think it would be a completely different story. But you're right. There are a lot of questions surrounding the passing of Gino Hernandez.
1: Well, when you talk to people that were actually really close to Gino. And, and even though I worked with Gino, I wasn't really, you know, close with him, but there were so many things that were just out of place and so out of character. And, and what I knew of Gino was that, you know, how tedious he was and things had to be in the right place at the right time. And when they it, it came in and, and found them, those things were not in place and it just, it it was wrong. and, and, the the way And I like how they had Jeannie come in there, who was Lady Blossom at the time, since he, she lived right next door to him. She would know about more than anybody of his comings and goings and things. I love it that they have her in there, you know, where they give her perspective of someone that was not only his friend, but someone that lived next door and also worked with him. I'm really interested to see her point of view on it.
0: I had read Jeannie's uh, book as well as I read Gary Hart's book. And Gary Hart was very close with uh, Gina Hernandez. And Gary, too, said that in his book that his death was very suspicious. And he said that, uh, like, days leading up to it, Gino was saying people were out to get him. He was acting paranoid. But then on the other hand, you know, people would say, when if you, I guess you were holed up doing a lot of cocaine. You do get usually that suspicion and all that stuff so we'll be uh were you interviewed at all for uh this um documentary
1: not for that one they haven't contacted me and then it was the amount of cocaine that was in his system and that it was in his stomach i mean gino had done a lot of cocaine for a long time so it wasn't unusual that he would do a lot you know so that's not i can't see where that would be part of the equation except for the amount that was in the system whenever he died that was just Totally, you know, obscure to anyone's logic. Right. Wow. Yeah, and 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 you
2: mentioned that obviously you worked a lot with Gino, but you weren't necessarily close with Gino. Is he somebody because of his personal life and because he lived in that fast lane that he kind of kept his work and his personal life separate?
1: Well, at the time, I mean, I was not a lot younger than he was, but quite a bit younger than than Gino was. I wasn't financially like in his circles because I was just this dunks, her prom, uh, promoter's daughter from West Texas. He was always very gracious to me, always very kind. Um, I look back now, and I really appreciate it because he really could have taken advantage of me, and he didn't. And that was part of the gentleman part of him was that even though he was like the playboy and money and cars and things, you know, I was so gullible, I would have done anything for Gino. And he didn't take advantage of that gullibility. And that was really sweet of him not to.
2: And I know you were a fan of his before you got into professional wrestling. Would you say that fan he's... Fan
1: is an understatement. I, I... I had the hugest crush on Gino. Gino's the reason why I actually got in the business. I had heard my parents talking that they were looking for a girl to work with Gino because they were doing the angle with Stella. And they, they didn't have the deal where, like, guys worked against girls at the time and, and up until, you know, that guys really didn't even touch the girls. Mixed tags, you know, like when the, when the guys tagged in and out, you know, if you tag somebody, the girl would come in and the other girl would come in or the guy would come in. They, they didn't work against each other. It was just taboo at the time. So to bring me in, that took the heat off from Gino to get um, – you know, to get Stella out of the way without him touching her, because I could take care of her uh one of the
2: things when it comes to Gino Hernandez, and obviously it's you know you're, you know he he passed so young and um nineteen eighty six for crying out loud, and you were working with him in nineteen eighty four And unfortunately, when when people think of Gino Hernandez, for those who do think of Gino Hernandez, you know, because this has been decades now, you know, they think of his passing and his cocaine addiction. And not a lot of people talk about how he was as a professional wrestler. And I think he's really underrated. I mean, you look at his matches and how well and what a ring technician that he was and how great he was on the microphone. I I really think he's underappreciated over the span of time.
1: He really is. I, I think it did him no justice to not get out of the Texas area, because I, I really don't think that he wrestled anywhere but Texas maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I, In my prediction, if they had brought him in as a horseman, he would have been a perfect fit. He would have been a perfect, because he could have tagged with Tali. The, the whole thing, it, it he would have been a perfect fit any time that they had the horseman set up. He would have been a perfect fit.
2: And, and you're right, he really didn't go outside of Texas. And you just brought up something, and and, and this is a, a, an interesting question, and it's really a good observation by you. You know, everyone when they think about Gino Hernandez, they thought he was custom-made to be a superstar for the WWE and work for Vince McMahon. But I agree with you and that I think he would have worked much better as a part of uh, Jim Crockett promotions, and I think he would have been a perfect fit for the Four
1: Horsemen. Absolutely, I I don't see an argument where you could say that he wouldn't have, because he could have been like he's he's like the perfect heel. But then if they turned him babyface against Collie and the Horseman, oh my gosh, the girls would have gone ape crazy. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? It would have just it would have been unbelievable.
0: Well, there's also I mean as as for me, I stayed in ECW the whole time. There's a comfort factor. He's also was a top guy. And I know he had a, a relationship with uh, Paul Bosch, who would always use him. He was always on top in the areas that he went to. Mm-hmm. I know he did wrestle in Madison Square Garden because he wrestled my trainer, Johnny Rods. And uh, he, I don't know why he didn't venture out, but I know he did try to go other places. Uh, I think he went to Florida for a half a second as well, and then but he always did wind up back in. And it's funny that He always wanted to go back home. Yep. And I, I, it's funny, I was with last Sunday— Tully Blanchard because I was watching he came up to watch Tessa versus Gail Kim and we were we were just having a random conversation and he went into the whole him and Gino tagging being young that area how on fire it was because we're talking about the whole uh, his father having you know um, Southwest Wrestling and the whole thing with the USA Network all that stuff but he was you know just talking about you know for Tully He goes, it was an opportunity. My father sent me away so I get seasoned and not just be the son of Joe Blanchard. And, you know, he's like myself and Gino. We were just young and famous and just, you know, living the life. And, you know, that's unfortunately that's what happens. But should be an amazing documentary tonight on Vice. Yeah,
1: I was definitely looking forward to it. Definitely. And especially like with these, because. Not taking away from Viceline, but the uh, documentary that they did on Flair, even though I thought I knew everything about Flair, I learned so much. And I think that that's what's going to be like with Gino. I'm going to learn more than what I ever knew or even imagined, just like with Brody and with with the other ones. it just They, they ask the questions that we never thought of and we get the answers of go, Oh my gosh, I never thought of that. So, I love it. I mean, some of these documentaries are, are are really good for the business and they really show how unique we really are.
0: Oh yeah. It's also I remember being a fan. Uh, the first wrestler death I've ever heard of was Rick McGraw, yep. then David Von Erich, then Gino Hernandez. Yes. And I remember it was during the whole angle as well with the Freebird hair cream, and they just had turned uh, Chris Adams, or they were going to go turn Chris Adams uh, back to being babyface and feud Chris with Gino. And it's weird that I don't remember, like I don't remember how the wrestling magazines covered Bruiser Brody's death. I remember they just said Rick uh, McGraw died. uh, They never told you how, but Mm -hmm. then all the wrestlers tell you, you know, he died. You know, they were like steroids, cocaine. And then uh, David Von Ark was the only one where they said he died of that uh, acute That intestinal intestinal. yeah. It's sad, too, that you think of...
1: But that wasn't until years later, because we all had thought, um, because it had come out that they thought that it had been a drug overdose, but it wasn't until the autopsy and then the family released it, but there for a long time, we we had no clue.
0: Yeah, everyone said that Brody, they thought, because he was the first one cleaned up the room, which is what, you know, to protect the guy's legacy... Uh, it's sad too that world class so was so great that it is from the Von Erichs to Bruiser Brody to Gino Hernandez, all guys who were closely Chris associated. Chris Adams. With I mean, Chris Adams area. was
2: later in life, but there's obviously you know so much that happened to that to that organization, and and in and, and and when you think of Chris Adams too, the dynamic duo that you know you you're a part of for a short time too, like that tag team between Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams, they're completely underrated,
1: right well and then you we also had um it was gino and jake and uh chris and myself that's right you know, six they, man. they did a lot of six men so even jake was in the mix there for a little while also because they had the six man
2: god you think about the talent that came out of world class or went through world class championship wrestling and and you were in the middle of the heyday i mean 1984 when I look back at world-class championship wrestling, that was probably, that year was probably the height of that of the, of that company's popularity.
1: Well, whenever I worked, I worked uh, the Cotton Bowl, and I also had um sold-out show at Reunion Arena, and that was my first three months in the business. The first show that I ever worked was uh, sold out at Joe Harry Coliseum there in San Antonio. Then a couple of weeks later, we had the big Cotton Bowl show where they flew Sunshine in, and then we had the big reunion arena show after that. So first three months of my business, that was my shows, and I was greener than a grass out in the yard. <laughs> and it's crazy. I, I, believe, was in I believe. I believe. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening.
2: <laughs> and I believe yesterday was the 35th anniversary of the parade of, Tam- parade of champions at Texas Stadium when Carrie Von Erich beat Ric Flair for the NWA championship and, and, you know, that was in 1984, a time that you were with the company as well. And boy,
1: you, you... I was, my dad was actually at the show. My dad refereed that card. He was on, he refereed a couple of the matches. Uh, Fritz was really good about using some of the promoters and some of the talent, unlike the huge shows. If you wanted to come in and make a good payday, because my dad came in for several of their big shows, you know, to represent Lubbock and, and, west texas and his promotion and and get a little payoff and and be a part of the big shows that was really cool to do those road trips also
2: and you know i gotta be honest with you i like the look that you had with world-class championship wrestling <laughs> you know wearing the motley crew t-shirts and uh, the way you had your hair spiked and colored i mean for the time you know it, it may seem kind of commonplace now but for that time that was that was you were making some kind of statement at that time
1: that was that was all me, too. They they didn't say, because whenever I went with, with Crockett, they kind of, I brought my clothes down and things like that. Dusty kind of wanted to look at like what I was going to be wearing. Um, while with World Class, they just kind of wanted me to be big and tall and a badass and, and just look like I could kick anybody's ass. So I just went out and got stuff that um, I thought would, you know, portray the character. And it's funny, in a lot of the shots, I've got, and I, gosh, I really shouldn't tell you this. I'm wearing Johnny Tatum's pants. I stole them from him because they fit so perfect. I even wore them in and Crockett, but they were like this stretch spandex where you could wear the belt and the whole thing. So I'm wearing Johnny Tatum's pants in a lot of those shows.
2: Don't worry. We won't tell anybody.
1: <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Well, it worked out because Tatum is like cousins to Michael Hayes, so it's all family. We're good. <laughs> You know, we had Michael
2: Hayes uh, on on our air a couple of weeks back, and obviously he talked a, a lot about the feud with the Von Eriks and the popularity of the Von Eriks. And Gino Hernandez was, with, without a doubt, in 1984, the top heel for world-class championship wrestling. But just explain, for somebody who was able to witness it firsthand, talk about the phenomenon of the Von Eriks at that time.
1: Oh, my Lord. Uh, what can you say there, like really good looking guys, really down home, nice guys to talk with. They were Texas boys, so they all fit in. It was, um, we made, oh my gosh, I used to sell their t-shirts and programs and uh, pictures on my uh, program table. Shoot, those guys made mega money on, you know, just eight by tens to sell them. And then they had the, the the best thing that I thought was that they would have the fans could get the autographs up at the ring, while the guys were making their entrances yep, and doing yep. introductions. That that's really missing now, where the fans can like hold up the pictures and their sharpies and the guys sign. And that's just crazy now to think that fans were able to get that close to to the boys from their matches.
0: Well, we couldn't get our twenty dollars for our signed eight by ten then, if they wanted that. <laughs>
1: Well, you already sold it though, because no, I know I, Manning would send Manning would make sure that I had everything that I needed to sell, and then at the end of the night, I'd count up, figure out how much money I'd send, and then when Dad sent the money to Dallas, I would send the picture and T-shirt money, so they were making the money off of everything.
2: Well, Nicole, if you think about it, like if you if you look back and watch some of that uh, footage of the sportatorium. Like there was no barricade. It was like string. It was like a piece of string around right? the ring. Right.
1: Was, uh, the best shot I love is when Gordy pushes that guy like goes three flying. rows back. Boom. Crazy. My husband did that. Oh, well, I guess it was a year ago. We had ridden the bike to the ring and then there was this kind of smart ass there and he's talking and he's talking smack and everything. But it wasn't until he was talking about the bike. You've got to kick over the bike. And yeah, I'm going to kick your old lady too. And Chad just turned around and went, Boom, and pushes him back. Yeah, scenes of Gordy all over. <laughs> you know, Nicola, I mean, when you look back at your career, and even now, I
2: mean, you know, you've been gone from pro wrestling for quite some time, um, but you still find a way back in with conventions. I mean, do you still do the convention circuit? Do you
1: still go out and meet the fans? Oh, my gosh. I just did, I got my first inv- invitation to WrestleCon. I did WrestleCon just a couple of weeks ago. I've got a big show in Richmond in just. Like a week and a half with Cornet and all of his guys. There's a big show in Richmond. Then I've got um, Charlotte in August. Then I've got Fort Wayne, Indiana in October. And then Wrestlecade in November.
0: Still making towns. I love it.
1: Baby, doll. I love it, Right? My husband just shakes his head like, and I do too because I, I love it. But then it's so, I mean, this is 30 years later and there's so many young. Pretty girls and all the things out there. Whenever I was at WrestleCon, my deal was like, "I am the oldest girl here." Do you know how humbling that is to be the oldest girl on the show? Because I used to be the youngest, and I thought, "Nope, I'm baby doll. I can carry this off."
2: Absolutely. Well, to quote
1: Ric Flair, it's "Oldest." Crazy that the memories that we created 30 years ago are still so vibrant in everybody's memory. It's it's humbling to me. It really is, and I love it. What's the one question you get most from fans? Um, what What was in the envelope?
2: Yeah, that's what I figured. And you're never going to tell us, so I don't know why nope. people keep asking you. Mm, she shouldn't. Well, whenever us.
1: they quit asking, that's when I quit showing up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate the time. Again, Dark Side of the Ring tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Viceland. And... It was awesome catching up with you. I'm, I'm glad you're able to share some memories and thoughts of Gino Hernandez, who is the subject of tonight's show. And we really appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm glad you still answer my calls, and I'm glad you still come on the show. We really appreciate it.
1: Um, I'm your go-to girl. What else can
2: I
0: say? <laughs> Make sure you follow her on Twitter because she's awesome.
1: She is awesome. I try. I'm trying. And, and uh, see, I'm, I'm talking to you guys, and I'm watching the bar. <laughs> Things on on the uh, C-SPAN right now.
2: <laughs> and then again, what's your Twitter? It's at it's at Nicola Roberts, correct?
1: If, if you just Google Nicola, N-I-C-K-L-A, you can pull up my Facebook or my Twitter, whatever. My husband absolutely hates it, but.
0: It's how I we stay down. relevant. I
1: got to do what I got to do. <laughs>
0: like I'm to to the chickens, your dad, baby doll. I Donald. love
2: you, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, listen, you know what? I'm sure your husband's a good man but when he married you he should have realized you have a huge fan base and he's going to have to share you with your public that's well, part that, that's the deal the,
1: the story on him was that he actually had a crush on me when he was 14 he wrote a letter to me whenever Tully slapped me saying that it, he would take care of Tully if if I wanted him to and so he had the posters and the magazines and the whole thing on his wall and so I'm like his dream come true and I never want to disappoint him. Oh, that's, uh, that's awesome. See, that's, 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 a, story. That's, a, that's
2: a great wife right there. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time. We we, we truly appreciate it.
1: Oh, I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. And, and keep talking wrestling. We that's definitely I will. I mean, keep I'm, talking I'm, about it.
2: We do it three hours, five days a week. So <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Thank you guys. Be safe. All right. Nicola Roberts, Baby Doll, Andrea the Giant. And it, it's amazing. She has been on the show in the 10 years that we've been on the air. She's been on the show at least a half a dozen times. Because even though she was only in the business for a short time, think about it. She joined World Class in 1984. And she really wrapped up with Jim Crockett Promotions in 1988. You know, it's that, really a cup of coffee when you think of some of the careers when it comes to pro wrestling. But think about the moments that she was a part of.
0: And we also talk about there wasn't a lot of women back then. And so that's why they're all, they were, there was one or two. Yeah. And in the business in general, there wasn't a lot of managers. And and she definitely made a presence and very, very cool. I follow on social media from this show. And, you know, she was on this show. Really? Well, that's the last time we had her on. I was uh, on and... I was like, gosh, what an awesome story. And then I went and found, and I like some of her tweets. I also like when her and Hurricane fight on social media. Oh,
2: they fight about stuff. They don't fight about wrestling. They probably fight about politics. I I don't care about it. I
0: just like when two wrestlers fight on social (laughs) media. It's good. (laughs)
2: All right. All right. Awesome interview again. Dark Side of the Ring tonight with Gino Hernandez. The death of gorgeous Gino Hernandez.
1: Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12
2: p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156.
0: The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.